the one thing that I could rely on was my faith. And um, I know that in the be- in the beginning, I say in the beginning, mm-hmm. <laughs> after you bat, it was one day at a time, then one week at a time, then you get to that milestone of it's been a year, and now you get to a two year. And um, I had a I had to cut my foot when I had run out to hit to him, and it's interesting to see it starting to heal. Hmm. And there's a little part of you for a moment that's almost like, wait, if it heals, was it ever that big of a deal? Yeah, or will you forget, and, right? And you realize you're never going to forget, and you're never going to forget the uh, good and the bad. It's just the waves come differently and in different times. But for as much grief as you feel, there is an equal amount of love, hmm. and there's an equal amount of of joy. And so it is interesting to think, oh, I am able to feel joy. I'm looking forward to sharing this episode of The Cultural Hall with you. It's been a long time coming. In fact, we recorded it several months ago. See, as you're listening, if you can tell about what month uh, this episode was recorded. I sat on it for a little bit because I didn't know when would be the right time to be able to share it. And now I feel like it is, in fact, the right time to share this episode. Tanya and I had a great time being able to talk about her, about some things that she's experienced. And I want you to know uh, I, I appreciate her a lot. Not not all of this episode is just fun and laughter like we have at the beginning. Uh, we get into some pretty deep stuff, and I appreciate being uh, able to uh, to talk to her, and I appreciate that she would be as open as she was. So I hope that you enjoy this long-time-coming episode of The Cultural Hall. It's time for another episode of The Cultural Hall. I always love it when uh, shows that are available in podcasts talk about what time they record it because it doesn't matter. It's on demand and people are listening to it all the time. But it is worth noting that it is yeah, really, really gosh forsaken early this morning. Good morning, Tanya Quinn. Good morning. Uh, a gift, as we were talking before we started recording, uh, that I hope holds out for the time that we speak is that your kids just stay nice and quiet. They stay right in bed and they don't interrupt mm-hmm. mommy while she's talking it's to... <laughs> yeah, it's a magic that's never repeated except for any time I have an early morning appointment, they sleep in. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you need to get somewhere, you can bet that they're going to sleep in. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, Tanya, you are not only uh, a friend of a friend, and that's why we're chatting, but also you've got all sorts of interesting things that we can kind of uh, talk to. Ooh. How familiar are you with the Culture Hall? Any familiar? Some familiar? Very familiar? Oh. Only slightly familiar. I love the idea of it. <laughs> I haven't heard all of it. Uh-huh. Not, I haven't heard all of it. Yeah. I really love the idea of you. <laughs> well, well, perfect. Uh, to know that you haven't heard all of the 10 years we've been around, that, I mean, right. that, that, that makes sense to me. It, it's like, yeah, <laughs> I know of the internet. I haven't, uh, I haven't seen, I haven't read it all. So I, I can't, right. I can't throw my endorsement completely behind the internet. Uh, but, but certainly, you know, I like the internet, uh, that it, it, it seems to make sense that it would help people out. So yes, very much like the internet. That's how we are. Uh, tell me, where are you from, Tanya? I'm originally from Bakersfield, California. Good old, and it's not Baker where the thermometer is. Right. Bakersfield. It's far less interesting. Isn't Bakersfield just kind of meh? No. Well, that's, that's what other Californians want to say, but I feel like you're not allowed to say it's meh unless you came from Bakersfield. Okay. 
what then did, we're allowed to say it's meth. What did <laughs> what what did mom and pops do that uh, landed you in Bakersfield? Yeah, my mom grew up there. Okay, and so and my dad is from Southern California. Right. He's an attorney, and his practice was in Bakersfield, and her family was in Bakersfield, and. Isn't Bakersfield, and correct me if I'm wrong, and I don't mean to throw so much shade on Bakersfield, but Bakersfield is like where you live if you want to say that you live in Southern California, but you can't afford to live anywhere else? We're technically Southern California, Yeah. Yeah. but we're on the north side of the grapevine. Right, right. All of your carrots come from Bakersfield. I've since moved out to North Carolina, Raleigh, and my carrots still come from Bakersfield. So you're in North Carolina now, is that correct? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. My well, husband's job brought us out here. First, I went to Utah because I'm Mormon. Right. You have so to do that. State that. Yeah. Yes, I graduated high school back in 2000, went to Utah because that's what you do. And so I went to school in Utah. Did you go to uh, the, the, Lord's, Utah. the Lord's University? Is that what we did? Did we go that route? The Lord's University didn't want me, sad yeah. to say. So I went to the next best thing. Uh, Utah, well, it was Utah Valley State College at the time. Well, and I'm proud to say State yeah, College. I'm yeah, afraid. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't they get in, so you went to UVSC know. and said, hey, come here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're all welcome. <laughs> we went to the cultural hall of school, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We take anyone. <laughs> come on in. Look, yeah, listen. Come on in. No denial. I, I loved, oh, I loved UVSC. So let it me, was amazing education. Let me ask you about that, because that really is, I think it's less now. You, uh, UVU, since it is a full-blown university, has certain come in, certainly come into its own. But back in the, in the uh, early 2000s, it very much was, hey, you go to UVU if, well, you're probably living at home, you can't afford BYU, or you just don't get into BYU. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I had applied to BYU because, again, I'm Mormon. Mormon. <laughs> I wanted to do theater education. I was going to be in theaters one way or another. That was my dream. And uh, when BYU didn't take me, I went to UVSC and I had moved to Utah. It was it was happening one way or the other. And so I worked for a while to, you know, get my residency. And then I lucked out and they actually gave me a scholarship. Mm. That's pretty great. But I, so I did their theater program and it was phenomenal and it, I loved it. And then in the course of that, got married Still didn't have children, <laughs> even though I was married in I Utah. Know, yeah, I don't understand <laughs> this. We're we may have to dive more into that, but please, with your narrative. Right? Yep. Yes, I was such a rebel. <laughs> and then, um, so then I decided, well, let's do the culinary program that they have there as well. Okay, so, so that's I a big leap, though, because program. like a culinary yeah, program, it's like, it's like the theater arts for food. Yes, mm-hmm. and we want it to look good. We want to be an experience. Don't forget your lines, Beats. Don't forget your lines, Beats. Exactly. You know, to me, it didn't feel like a large leap because I realized that my root, well, I remember going into culinary school saying, I'm probably going to have a cooking show. Just Mm. so you guys know, everyone had their plans in the beginning. You know, some people wanted to go be bakers. Mm -hmm. Some people wanted to go own a restaurant. I was going to have a culinary show. That was was my trip. It was still going to be both worlds. But really, it was that, I love creating something that brings joy to others. I love the idea of bringing everyone together. And when you're like creating a character in a play Mm -hmm. and you see their face in that moment where you're all there in the moment together, it's nothing's better. And then the same thing happened anytime I cooked food and there's this like moment of quiet. Everyone's enjoying the meal. Um, There's just nothing better. So 
And I loved eating, so it really was a win-win. It took my talents. It paired them with my desires. We were able to do this whole thing. So let me ask you that then. Uh, So so then you go full in on the culinary thing and decide, hey, maybe this is where the future of my life is. How how did that how did that evolve? Well, and with culinary school, you kind of have to go full all in. I remember that for two years in culinary school, I was never sick. I was a. It was just magic. They said you can't miss school for anything. And so I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so magically, somehow, I didn't get sick. I love the idea of um, catering. Uh, I I liked restaurants and working in restaurants, but I remember during culinary school always thinking, okay, but how would I do this for just by a group of eight people? How would I do this in real life and not this amazing commercial kitchen? Mm. Because I grew up and my mom was an amazing cook. My grandma was an amazing cook. They just knew their way around the kitchen. But I remember being frustrated once I moved away and came from a family of 10 kids and didn't need to shop at Costco anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it was just me. Yeah, yeah. And so that frustration of how do I get from enjoying food and wanting to cook to understanding it really and and knowing my way around a kitchen. And so I didn't have a necessary like there's only one path and there's only one way to apply this. I knew that I'd be able to apply it in a lot of different ways, whether it was my personal life or find a career. And then, and that's exactly what came of it was a variety of applications. I, I catered for friends and then word spread and friends of friends. And then I ended up doing catering for commercial film sets. They'd have a, they call it the craft person. Mm-hmm, craft services. Craft services, I'm here for you. I liked calling it mom on set because yeah. <laughs> I was just bringing snacks around to people. I, that was a really fun gig because everyone was excited to see the person coming around with a tray of food. Yeah, so yeah. You I don't, you don't not that. unlike that person. You love that person for sure. Exactly. And I loved being on set. You know, I still loved that world and, and all while through culinary school and being able to cater and cook and work in restaurants. I still loved performing, hmm. performed improv and performed in plays at the Hale. And, and so I was still able to do the things I loved. And so, yeah, it was amazing the different applications that came. I, w- I want to pick up I a couple of things. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You said you sort of dropped this like family of 10 kid bomb. And I just have to ask a little around it. H- how is mm-hmm. it being one of 10? Yeah, and I was number five of ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So always forgotten, never fit in with no. the older kids, uh, too old for the What's younger kids. So. I was such a middle child, I didn't even know that there was my middle child syndrome. Right. right. I was just happy to get whatever leftovers I got, hand me down, <laughs> great. That was just way of life. Yeah. So I didn't even know there was such a thing as middle, middle child syndrome. I, I thought I had it really great, I did, and I did. <laughs> And we only had one brother. There were no twins. Oh, my gosh. It was all just my mom wanted eight kids. She's an overachiever. Yeah. She had ten. <laughs> and um, the, the brother came. He was number eight. Uh-huh. So they, yeah, they made their way to him. And yeah, we can't, we, can't, uh, you know, we can't stop until there's a brother among all this. And then, <laughs> yeah, and then we the brother can't be, then the boy the can't be the last one for sure. So we have to, you know, let's, let's keep going. Yeah. So I yeah I came from ten family of ten kids and I didn't know any different I as I grew I decided I didn't want ten kids mm-hmm. 
But I felt like I had the best of both worlds because I got to have older siblings that helped me out. And then I got to be the older sibling for a while. So I really loved it. You know, it's interesting, though. Somehow they've forgiven me for taking their shirt without asking or... (laughs) That's but, pretty cool because I have this built-in giant group of friends. <laughs> sure, you're you're never friendless with a family of, of ten siblings. Uh-uh. Now, even how, if you just want to be left alone, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're you can't get some advice. You're going to get some help. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> and family's the best at sort of inserting themselves. So, as you've looked at your yes. own family, then how many kids do you have? Yeah, we have four. I didn't quite get to ten. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> we have four. Four and so. done. We're that. That's the end of that story. Yeah. Yeah. We got our daughter is our fourth. Okay. So we made it. We we do have, it's a interesting sentence I'm still getting used to saying out loud. We do have, we have four. One is, has passed away. Oh, I'm sorry. Passed away two years ago when he was two. And so I'm currently raising three, mm-hmm. but yeah. I have four kids. <laughs> uh, and, and Now, are you willing to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. It's. Sure. <laughs> so, um, just sort of asking around that, like I, I bet that there's, um, as people say, how many kids you have, as I just sort of set you up for, you know, like you, you, you sort of do that thing where you're like, well, how, how, you know, it's like when people ask you, how are you, and you go, well, I'm fine, to either dismiss know, the question, you want to know exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. exactly, and yeah, so it's, a, it's amazing how it can become a case by case basis to, uh-huh. to say a number that to strangers. It's more like if they say they have three, yeah, I have three kids. If they say I have four, yeah, I have four. Mm-hmm. I, rem- I remember shortly after he passed, and of course I'd say four, because how could I say anything else? Mm-hmm. And then I'd say four, and the stranger would say, well, where's, why do I see three, where's the four? Mm. And I realized, oh boy, I don't want to get in this with you, I don't know you. Or It's interesting, the little scenarios that pop up, but um, only recently am I more comfortable. I went for a while where it was painful to talk about. Sure. And now and now you realize, wait, I want to talk about him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How do I transition into saying, I still want to talk about this child. He's still part of my life. And so it's interesting now I'm more comfortable saying that sentence and not crying. So Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh <laughs> let's actually take a break for a quick second. We'll come back in the second block and we'll uh we'll find out all about that. It's coming back in the second block of the Cultural Hall. Let me take a brief moment to tell you about Best DJ in Utah. It's bestdjinutah.com. In addition to doing this here show, I often find myself playing music for uh, company parties or uh, for you know community events. You can also find me playing music for weddings. And the way that you get in touch with me, if you would like to have me at your wedding bestdjinutah.com. I've done several for Friends of the Hall, uh, those lifers or converts who listen to the show and think, man, he does great there on the show. I'd love to have him DJ the wedding. Uh, It's bestdjinutah.com. Now, you're thinking, bestdjinutah.com, did he just buy the domain and that's it? Well, kind of, but also I am the highest and most reviewed DJ in the state of Utah. How about that? bestdjinutah.com. Hey, this is Dan, the laptop man from PC Laptops. Friends, I know a lot of you guys and girls are working from home. So here's some tips for making sure your computer is ready for working at home. Because if your computer fails, it's going to be really hard to get it fixed because of dwindling supply and parts. But we have parts right now, and we have a limited supply of new computers available for you. Make sure your computer is healthy and virus and malware free. 
Hackers are trying to infect people and stealing their information during these challenging times. We'll scan the health of your computer for viruses and malware, plus scan your hard drive, memory, and components to make sure you don't have any failing parts. You want to make sure you have strong antivirus and malware protection software as well. Just get into any PC laptops and we'll check your hardware and your software and scan your computer for viruses for absolutely free. Just go to PCLaptops.com. At PC Laptops, we've been serving you for over 28 years, and we've got your back during these times of need. We're all in this together, so just go to PCLaptops.com, and we'll get you taken care of. Here in the second block of the Cultural Hall, if you enjoyed this conversation and other conversations that we have had, make sure you find us on Patreon. It's Patreon.com slash The Cultural Hall, and uh, you can help pay for things like our website and uh, things like when we do advertisements for great episodes like this one with Tanya Quinn. Uh, you can find us patreon.com slash the cultural hall. We're like Netflix for your ear holes. So find us and, uh, and don't forget you get to be a part of that secret, but not sacred Facebook group for every Patreon subscriber. Tanya, uh, I, I don't know how to, uh, comfortably onboard this part of the conversation. So I'll let you tell me however you, however you feel. Yeah. Well, our son, he, he actually drowned. It was two years ago. Oh my gosh. And, um, tell me his name and that's Archie, Archie, Archibald. Yeah. What is that and after? Was, is that after family or just a cool name? Um, we just love it. We just, I, I'm trying to think of, you know, there were a few options down the line. He does have a family middle name. His middle name is Jacob. Mm-hmm. That's my mom's middle name and our very good friend, Jacob's name. But to family, we say he's named after our family, the Jacobs, and to our friend, we say he's named after our friends. So that's how, <laughs> depending on. And now the secret's out because uh, I'll just tell them not to listen. To yeah, yeah, yeah. No, don't. No. Yeah, no. no, no but no. Archie, we just loved the name and it fit, and we just love old man names. We <laughs> just love old man names like our. We have an Augustus. Yeah. We have a Julian. Yeah. We have an Archie. You need a good Blaine yeah. in there if you were to have another one. Blaine would be a good Stanley. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. We'll keep it in mind. Yeah. For some <laughs> <future>. <laughs> he was, and I, it's funny because I didn't tell a story a lot because it, it's like a horror story. There's a, any moment in the story you want to say, stop, yeah. no, go yeah. back. Yeah. And that's not how history works. So, um, but he, it was a, just a classic case of, all the wrong tiny little things and he slipped through the gate and slipped out the door and without people seeing him and we found him. Mm. So um, we were getting ready to go to the lake and he had been put in his swimsuit. There's a lot of assuming, right? Assuming he must have thought the swimsuit meant let's go swim. And we were at cousin's house and and we found him and there was, there were amazing efforts to revive him. And then, uh, we even, they got him to the hospital, and I remember thinking, "This is it. This is when everyone here at the hospital sees a miracle." Yeah. And um, I know that it, they did their absolute best and worked on him for a while. And um, and when it was time to make that hard decision, uh, I remember. I apparently I was told I talked about Heavenly Father a lot in that moment. <laughs> that I that. To me, the world had dropped out. I didn't know why I was still breathing, even though clearly my life had ended. Yeah. But um, but I, apparently I was talking about Heavenly Father a lot. And in hindsight, I know why. It's because that was the only thing that made any sense at that moment, that 
So, so is it an out of body like you, or or you like uh, almost like an amnesia because of of how it was that you just sort of don't really kind of remember that time? Yeah, there's it. It's, reminds me of a dream because there's there's bits that come, and mm-hmm. and for a while, part of it was just so raw and painful. And then I remember it building up and needing to talk about it, needing to say it, realizing I had never even said it out loud, and then needing to sit down with my with you know someone I trusted or um, we sat down with a grief specialist, a grief counselor, mm-hmm. and it was really helpful. But it was interesting because it's not like in the movies; it didn't have you relive things. Yeah, he just gave us some really great resources and tools. But but sitting down with family or close loved ones to be able to actually walk through things but um no i do it to me it's more um i i liken it to when they say you won't well the scriptures they yeah they hey prophets you know they they. yeah yeah that you won't receive a witness until after the trial of your faith Mm -hmm. and it was just it's one of those moments where you're asked the question do you really believe what you say you believe right like you're mormon right grew up studying scriptures going to church doing all the Sunday school answers, praying, serving others, trying to be a good person. Right. Didn't jaywalk. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's how I yeah. list all those things that I've done right, right? Like I did my own teaching. Yeah. I pray, yeah, yeah. jaywalk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so all of a sudden you're asked, do you really believe it? Yeah. When it comes down to it, do you really believe you're going to see this person again? Yeah. And... Um, so this is one of those times, and I'm only 38. I don't. I don't want to imagine what else is going to happen yeah. in life. Yeah. I. Uh, so even with a yeah pandemic, let, I'm just. Let, I'm great. I have a chat. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you this though, because you know I've I'm maybe a year or two older than you. I've I've certainly had some things. Um, not not anything mm-hmm. like that. Uh, certainly, but cer- certainly some well, things. I always say everyone has something. That, yeah. You know, I, I don't I don't believe that I don't believe in thinking, oh well, at least it's not this. So yeah. I'm not allowed to feel. Yeah. Because I because I didn't go through that. So what I'm going through I'm not allowed to feel it. I think you absolutely are allowed. It is a hard. Whatever you've gone through is hard. What, what yeah. was there points in it though that you just were like, All right, God, here's the deal. Like I thought we like I thought we had kind of a plan. Like I feel like, yeah. I mean, like I I felt the warmth. I you know I did the things, mm-hmm. and then this this is what you decided yeah. to put me in. I thought I thought infertility was my thing. Yeah, I, I like we we tried really hard, you know, for seven years to have our first baby, mm. and then the others just came when they were supposed to, because you know. But uh, I I didn't realize this was part of that list. Okay, fine, yeah. thanks. Uh, you know, I think it's interesting because I learned, obviously, grief is not linear. Right. It comes all at different times, and it's interesting to see the times. It's almost comical, like, oh, that was triggered, huh? Okay, yeah. cool. Didn't know that was going to trigger the feelings. Okay, fine, thanks. But um, so I definitely had have had days where I felt that anger, but I also, even in the midst of feeling anger, felt the, it's okay, I could take it. <laughs> yeah. I, I felt that I did. I felt that love from God. I could take it, but it was raw. And I remember thinking, I'm supposed to want, I know that the church is what I need, but I, the weeks following, it was too raw that going to church, being in the building was just too raw. Really? 
And so we had a, a bishop who brought us the sacrament. And so the thing that should bring comfort and then did, it, and it did bring comfort, mm-hmm. but in the moment it was so raw that I just wanted to be home. But, you know, as you described the experience, again, not having anything that even, you know, approaches that level, that intensity, you know, any of, any of those things, like, I, I would imagine that it's uh, on some days, uh, probably those almost immediately following that it's just like, like, uh, like, I'm just going to make it through today, right? Like, I'm just going to, like, I'm awake now, and and I just, you know, I just want to be able to go to sleep tonight. And that that would be sort of the instance for a while. Yeah, in the beginning, because I say in the beginning, it's like life before and mm-hmm. life after mm-hmm. this moment, right? So mm-hmm. in the, after, right after Archie passed, um, there was a lot of just get through like to, to the next meal when someone put food in front of me and said, go ahead and eat this. But what's interesting about how food plays into it, we it was amazing how many people just stepped in. That family I told you about, mm-hmm. they were just there. There's no questions. My sister just got in the car and drove down from Philadelphia. People just came. Uh, a sister flew in from Texas. My my parents were actually out of the country when it happened. Mm-hmm. And I know for them to have to not be right there. Were they serving missions or what were they doing? No, they they were on a they were on a trip. Oh, okay. Oh, vacation. They were okay. out in Europe, but I actually did tell them I don't want you to come. It, it's interesting the things that happened that won't make logical sense to others, mm-hmm. but made sense to my heart. I told them, I don't want you to rush back because I need to know that there's life going on. Mm-hmm. It's a weird, illogical reason, but it made sense to my heart at the time. And I know that it was still hard for them. That, that being there or being here, for me, it was, I don't need my mom right now. I need my son. And I don't have that. I yeah. think that's where it, it boiled down to. But what was interesting was I remembered there was a lot of fog, a lot of family taking care of details, but I do remember having an opinion about the luncheon after the funeral. Oh, okay. <laughs> I remember waking up for a brief moment, hearing plans being made, and having an opinion. And I think it was that because my head could, I, my brain could wrap around food. Uh-huh. The concept of, wait a minute, what are we doing? What are we eating? Okay, I, I want to change that, e- even though. Oh, it was wonderful. Whatever they were planning was great. Sure. You know, they're, they're just family taking care of you. But it's interesting where your brain, when it's trying to process something that it can't, <laughs> it will latch on to something that it can. And for me, that was food. In that moment, I had an opinion about the luncheon. <laughs> so so, so <laughs> one, one must ask then, what was being prepared and what did you then uh, insist upon? Oh, it was just a wonderful, you know, family potluck, right? Everyone was going to help and uh-huh. like stuff. And, uh-huh. and I remember thinking, I don't want anyone to bring anything. I don't want. I, I, I don't want. I want everyone coming to just the luncheon and to eat and to be fed. I want their soul and their food and their bellies to be fed. And in fact, it was actually that friend of a friend of yours that had, at the same moment that I was having an opinion about the food, had reached out, not knowing that I had an opinion saying, hey, I want to make sure that the uh, food gets catered huh. and it just all got taken care of. And so everyone could come to the luncheon and be fed in that moment. I didn't want us pitching in. I wanted them just coming and being fed, huh. which it really would have been great either way. But it was interesting the the way that I needed food to help in that moment. <laughs> so so coming away from that now where you talk about it's been yeah. a couple of years, how has that evolved? And 
and the relationship with with God, with your faith, how has that evolved? Um, it's evolved in a good way. I'm happy to report. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it, yeah, it was never, it was still always the comfort. The one thing that I could rely on was my faith. And um, I know that in the be- in the beginning, I say in the beginning, mm-hmm. <laughs> after you bath, it was one day at a time, then one week at a time, then you get to that milestone of it's been a year and now you get to a two year. And um, I had a, I had to cut my foot when I had run out to hit to him. And it's interesting to see it starting to heal. Hmm. And there's a little part of you for a moment that's almost like, wait, if it heals, was it ever that big of a deal? Yeah, or will you forget, and, right? And you realize you're never going to forget, and you're never going to forget the uh, good and the bad. It's just the waves come differently and in different times. But for as much grief as you feel, there is an equal amount of love hmm. and there's an equal amount of of joy and so it is interesting to think oh i am able to feel joy i do i, I was pregnant with my fourth when he passed oh so wow it was not two months later that she was born and that was a pretty interesting window of time to know that i had two children on both sides of the veil i had a child who was waiting to come and a child who had just passed and and that really helped to know mm. that well if i believe that there's life before and then i believe that there's life after and this very real connection to both absolutely was an anchor and helped sort so. sort of a sweet idea if you think about archie being on the other side and and talking to your your fourth is a daughter correct mm-hmm. and yes, just being yeah. like man you are going to love it <laughs> what a great <laughs> you, you know what i'm saying like right. prepping her for it that's that's I kind of a sweet vision. Say from the pulpit, but that yes, that you know, I won't, I won't say I know all the details of how everything works. Yeah. But I do know I take great, great peace in knowing. <laughs> well, I want you to know, Tanya, that as you get older and you start to get a little more senile, then you'll be able to start talking about those things from the pulpit most of the time right? in a fast and testimony meeting. And additionally, <laughs> exactly. that you'll take most of the fast and, and testimony meeting to share those before it. Yep. <laughs> not related. Yep. 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 You will be able to tell that story in the future for sure. Exactly. How, uh, if you don't mind me asking, how was it? I can't imagine um, that that your husband grieved the same way. How did you guys sort of support each other and the idea of an eternal family play into that? Yeah, that's been one of the most interesting parts of it because so far everything we felt like we had gone through together—job changes or financial hardships. Mm-hmm. or just different things you feel like you're experiencing as a family. But to lose a child, I lost, I was a mother losing a child. He was a father losing a child. And then just the nature of that just different days are going to be hard or good for each of us. And so we just kind of take turns being there for each other. And there were times that I thought, I don't want to tell him how I'm feeling because he's having a good day and I don't want to bring him down. Mm-hmm. But that's not the deal we made with <laughs> we. When we got married for eternity, and so we do, we we are there for each other, and you have to know that it's okay to hear what the other person is going through, even if it does make you take pause and go through something as well. But that was also another, I had to rely on the atonement because I couldn't, I couldn't solve their pain for them. I, I, that was one thing that I couldn't offer. I could be there for my child, children because when Archie passed, I had one who was eight 
and five. Uh-huh. And so the five-year-old, he logically got it. He'd even very um, bluntly talk about it to strangers. Yeah. We'd go to the gas station, and we'd be getting him a little treat, and he'd just blurt out to the cashier, yeah, I have a brother, and he died. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, we're doing this. Yeah. All right, well, thanks for the Snickers. We'll see ya. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but the, the eight-year-old had a better understanding of it, and it <clears throat> affected him differently. And so to know there were times that I couldn't, I couldn't solve that for him. Yeah. So, you um, know, it, it brings to I my mind the idea of the mourning with those that mourn. How, how, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you talk about that people were able to, to sort of bring food and to, to be there with you. A lot of people that listen to this, yeah. we, we hear a story like this. I wouldn't know the first thing to do, right? I would want to do so much for you, Tanya. I, yeah. But I would just cool. be like, do I, uh, no, I don't. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Uh, yeah. and, and I just would sort of fumble my way through it. As you look at the time that you were mourning, uh, advice that you would give to people that would w- that would want to mourn with you, how how should they yeah. do it and how should they not do it? You know, I love, is it Marjorie Hinckley? Never suppress a generous thought. Are we just giving that to her? Yeah, well, yeah. You said it. Yeah, take it, Marjorie. Sure. I, I do not say that there's a things you should do or shouldn't do. Okay. Because my experience was very personal to me. And so even having lost a child, when we hear other people have lost children, I never think to say, oh, I lost a child too. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't even know what it, my husband totally went through. And so I would never pretend to say I knew exactly what someone's going through. And so I think we're all in the same boat of not knowing what to do and just hoping that the little thing you're offering can be received well. And and so I know that there were people who wanted to bring food or wanted to be with us. I'm a very social person. Mm-hmm. I am I am an extrovert. I I receive I get energy and energized by being around people. But for a while, I did not want that. I was the opposite. I right. just I needed to be alone and at home, and that was interesting and and <laughs> interesting and hard to say. <laughs> no, thank you. Please don't come over. So I don't know how it, how it affected others and their offering. But I would say to people, if you feel a prompting to send a text, then send a text. If you feel a prompting to bring them something, bring them something. And, and honestly, I can't tell you how it'll be received. In the moment, it might be just what they needed. Mm-hmm. Or they might be in a fog and they appreciated it, but then they never responded to the text. There are people who I've gone to reach out to two years later oh, happy birthday, and I realized, wow, you texted me two years ago, hmm. and I never responded to those sweet words of comfort. But I know that in the moment, they, they probably meant a lot. Yeah. I just didn't have the mental capacity at the time to respond. So I would just tell people, don't want you to get too bogged down in thinking you should or shouldn't do something, because you can, you can talk yourself out of quite a bit of good if yeah. you go down that route. Because you'll think, oh, it's not enough. Well, of course it's not enough. You're not, you'll never, you can't bring back my child. So we always feel like our efforts are going to fall short. But the beauty of the atonement is they don't fall short. That You're just asked to mourn with those who mourn and comfort those that stand in need of comfort. And the beauty is if they don't stand in need of comfort, then you don't need to, right? Then yeah. Just be their friend. Be yeah. happy with them and rejoice with those that are rejoicing in the atonement will make your efforts worth it. 
yeah. and work. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I want to take another break, and when we come back, uh, I, w- I want to talk about this sweet pandemic, and I want to talk some more about food and uh, and how those two might be related in your life. So let's do that yeah. coming back in the third block of the Cultural Hall. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Here on the third block of the Cultural Hall, remember, if you ever want to reach out to us, you can find us on any of the social medias, all of them, literally all of them, you can find uh, the Cultural Hall. We are there typically at the Cultural Hall. That's on Facebook and Instagram. Find us on Twitter and also on Pinterest. There's places for you to message us in all of those social medias and feel free to reach out. You love this episode with Tanya Quinn? Well, of course you do. You can reach out via social media and tell us how much you love it. Or if you have a great guest suggestion for a future episode, uh, feel free to send those there as well. Tanya, all right. So, you know, happy pandemic. How's how's the pandemic been going for you? It's been pretty great. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. (laughs) You got you got the covid. Even with getting it, we really were we pretty we lucked out. We had a great job who took care of us, let us stay home. So, but yes, uh, Tom caught it. He brought it home to the rest of the family. Tom's your husband, so right? Yes, Tom's my husband. Mm-hmm. Have I not even said his name yet? Poor man. Yeah, he's just the, the husband. <laughs> yeah, but he he brought it home from work, and we all got it. Um, what's amazing is the kids. It was so mild for them, and I think that's a huge blessing that for a pandemic, for kids to not be getting uh, big symptoms. But for it was interesting to see that we each had different symptoms. I actually did lose my sense of smell and taste, and Tom didn't. Uh. And that was interesting because it was definitely the same virus. We both got it. Right. But, yeah. So I lost my sense of smell and taste, and it's only now, weeks later, starting to slowly come back. Wait, so but so let's dive I, into this a little bit. Give me give me an idea. So if the world shut down in March, when did you guys mm-hmm. contract the virus? Just recently. We were so careful for months and months. And then we just caught it this in July. Okay. So so then give me that he had, idea. He had gone, yeah. He had gone to work uh-huh. and you know you're around your coworkers and then you never know where your coworkers have been and Yeah. It hit, it hit a few people in the office, so spread from there. And, and was it a thing? Because here, so I haven't had it. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. uh, I'm among those that have not, or at least knowingly. You know how you have that sort of, and maybe you don't have this because you know you've had it. Um, but right. there, there, there is this thought among those of us who haven't had it that we're like, I, I felt kind of crummy in I, January I or February. February, yeah. probably. Yeah, I, I might have had it. <laughs> It definitely felt different than other. One, we don't tend to get the flu. Uh Uh, We don't tend to get sick. And definitely not in July. And then this swept through our very healthy family. Mm -hmm. It just swept through us. And and so to me, I think 
even though our case was very mild, so I'm very grateful for how mild it was, I still take it seriously because of how it swept through us and just took us down. Now, when you say, describe take us down, what, is, what does that look like yeah, for your husband so and husband, for you and for your kids? He, like My husband's hobby is working out. He loves fitness and working out. Mm-hmm. And so it was interesting to see him. He's not muscling through this to, to walk in the room because, of course, I quarantined him immediately, mm-hmm. not knowing that I was going to get it anyway. Sure. Quarantined him in his room, and I'd, like, do the whole, you know, slipping food through the door kind of thing. And, <laughs> but I'd, I'd look in there, and every few hours he was getting worse and worse. So I, re- I had to go through that moment of fear of all the worst-case scenarios run through your head real quick, and you're like, okay, that was fun. Let's put those aside. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But you'd walk in and I see him shivering and shaking, unlike any other flu or fever he had had. And and then I got sick. But luckily, I got sick as he was starting to get better. And um, and then luckily, our our almost two year old now, our little daughter, she didn't. If she got sick, there was a a, a week into it, there was like a day where she seemed to have a fever. Uh-huh. But it was one of those, could she be teething or could this be COVID? Okay. But that was really amazing to see her be okay. But So we, we helped each other out, and we just kind of let the house go, and the kids got a lot of video game time. <laughs> and then luckily they were just really understanding that we were taking turns napping. and so. But I, but I didn't feel the heaviness in my chest. Okay. I think that's interesting that you can, to me, I think, I don't know, I'm not a scientist with the virus in my nose yeah. because it was on fire. Uh, I, I, I could breathe just fine, but breathing was fire through hmm. my nose. Hmm. And, um, and then I lost my sense of smell and taste because of it. So it what, was there, I, was there a, a fear of your own mortality uh, within it? Because again, I haven't had it. And I, I, and I, and I look at myself and I go, I'm relatively healthy. Sure, I could lose a few pounds. That probably would be helpful, you know. But uh-huh. but I but right, I think exactly. that I would be okay. But then you hear the media would have us think that, you know, anyone at any time could potentially be the most healthy person. You're unaware of your comorbidities and you're dead in 10 days. Exactly. Well, un- uh, unfortunately, uh, right as we were getting a mild case and getting over it, my uncle got a not mild case and didn't get over it. Oh, my gosh. So we actually did this yesterday, lose my uncle to COVID. And so, and I, and so the reason why I'm hesitant to say, oh, well, our case was so mild. So that's the experience to everyone. No, because even if people try to say something like, oh, they're old anyway, or, oh, they have underlying conditions, underlying conditions, like, but wouldn't that make me want to be more careful for them? Not less careful. I, I understand that you're not going to save everyone and things are still going to happen. Mm-hmm. So that's why I want us to move forward carefully. I, I think you have to you have to move forward at some level, but you have to be careful so that those who are weak can move forward. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it can just hit hard. Yeah. And so, uh, I, but I know, yeah, I, I'm, I'm no expert on any of it. I just yeah. know that it is interesting to see how it can sweep through, and so I would much rather have not. I would much rather no one get it, obviously. Sure. It's not just like, oh, I just got the flu, so I'm fine, because it was really interesting, all the different 
I'm up for anything. I love natural stuff. I love I love modern medicine. I'll just do, I'll take it all. Yeah. I'm not against any of it. But it was interesting to see that it didn't matter. I mean, it's a virus, but it didn't matter what you're doing, even to help other symptoms, secondary symptoms. Mm-hmm. Nothing was hitting this. Hmm. You were just, you're trying to keep the fever down and run its course. But <clears throat> I was I was less afraid for my life. I was more afraid for the fact that I had read because I did the dangerous thing of googling. Yeah, that there were people who had not received their smells and taste back. I was more worried of living without enjoying food. Yeah. I was of death. <laughs> but an interesting perspective. Now, I want to ask you about that because in sort of our the uh the preemptive discussions that we had before we were going to talk today, you sort of laid out, you know, hey, we can talk about whatever and, you know, <laughs> I'm more than willing to talk about whatever aspect of my life, but one of the things that that I I find particularly interesting that you sent is the idea of when we when people have lost their sense of smell and taste to COVID, the idea of not being able to find joy in the gospel. And so I know we only have but a few minutes left to be able to visit with each other. And and I think sure. to me to me, I think that would be the most valuable. Now Everyone who's listening to this won't have an experience with a child like you've had. Everyone who's listening to this won't have an experience with the virus like you've had. But I think there is definitely something to be gleaned from, hey, I sure thought it was going to be this way. And it sure isn't right? this way because that's a little thing called life. So so maybe exactly. we can we can because dive think, into that, Joy. Yeah, I think we're, um, everyone's going to go through something. And, and I don't know. You know, I think we all have those ups and downs where you're sitting in Sunday school and you're just not quite getting it or getting something out of it, and you know, that's on me if I don't get something out of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or then you go through big something traumatic, and there's that time period where it's just raw and you feel numb. Or there are people who suffer actual depression and for all their great efforts physically cannot feel the joy. They mm-hmm. cannot feel they have, you know, they cannot at that time feel the joy of the gospel. And so I hate the phrase, A, I hate the phrase, fake it till you make it. Right. Because in the gospel, I don't think anything's actually faking it. it but um, so with losing my sense of smell and taste, I, I just didn't want to eat. I knew logically I had to eat. You can only go so long without eating. But I, it was almost, what's the point? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I knew logically even I could be eating something that I had really enjoyed in the past. And it was just, it didn't matter. I didn't want to eat it. I also ended up getting like a major canker sore, not big deal, but it hurt. It it hurt to eat as well. And so um, that feeling of just being raw and just not even wanting to be around the food. And I do liken that to those times in life where you just, it was hard. It's hard to be around it. But I also know that if you can still actually go through the motions, I have, I have great faith that sustaining and eating and doing those things we listed in the beginning, the reading scriptures and saying prayers and not jaywalking, <laughs> they, they do sustain you, that they are, and, and not yet, that they do sustain you, that they do keep you going. And that was but where where do you draw that strength? Because I've I've seen and you've probably seen this as well. Yeah. There are a lot of people who go, no, eating and I have a right. canker sore. I don't need that anymore. Food does not right. sound good, and 
you know, it, it, it is an interesting um, parallel that you've drawn with being malnourished as we talk about this with the gospel, but those who would then just uh, rather suit themselves being na- malnourished and, ju- and just walk away. So, 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 right. what's, so what's the difference? Why didn't you do that? Um, I think, and it can look differently, but I, I know that for me it's that little by little mm-hmm. and trying to remember, <laughs> because they say even in that um, olfactory uh, training, smell training, as you're trying to get your smell back, you can actually connect those, um, it's amazing in your olfactory system, in your nose, it can like uh, split and the nerves can grow back and hmm. heal, but it takes time to reconnect to the brain. So they'd actually tell you to practice putting something, a strong smell, and it says to do really basic, really basic ones, like a very clear lavender or smell that you definitely knew the smell of, mm-hmm. and you'd return and you'd practice smelling those very clear smells to try to reconnect them to your brain. And I think that that's okay to return to really basic things. I knew when I lost Archie, for instance, I knew very little. There's a lot of whys and a lot of questions, but I knew the Heavenly Father loved me. I knew God loved me. Mm -hmm. And I returned to that. And I think that it's not putting your head in the sand you're not, you're not being asked to don't ask questions or don't acknowledge the reality of what you're going through, but that in those sustaining moments, then as things do come back, and unfortunately it's just one of the hard parts of life of the question why, the answer a lot of times is different. For every individual experience, you know, why did I get a speeding ticket? It's because I sped. So some things happen because of our choices. Right. Some things happen because of other people's choices. And some things just happen because God spent, sent the world spinning, and so just nature takes its course. Some things have no logic. And so when we look at why one person was saved and why one person wasn't, or why certain things happen, it can feel like there's a lot of different reasons. But to me, the basic reason is still because we're trying to become like Him. And to do that, it's, it's going to take those hard things, those trials of your faith. And it doesn't sound very compassionate. Mm-hmm. And yet, to me, it is one of the, it is a, a comforting thought to know that it's not for nothing, that it's not just, I'm not just eating because I enjoy the taste of food. There's something coming from it. And sometimes there is just that enjoyment. I'm not eating cake because it's helping me get stronger. Yeah, it's not nourishing and strengthening your body, no matter how many times we bless it that way. Exactly. But there is still just, there is joy to be had in it. Mm -hmm. And then there's other things that are going to be more nourishing and strengthening. (laughs) (laughs) That's a whole other topic. That's a whole other conversation for us to get into. But I think it's about what I'm trying to become. And so when I couldn't taste, and I couldn't smell, and I didn't want to be around the food, and it was frustrating to even have to then prepare food for my family, and I wasn't being fed. Like, you're taking this toddler to sacrament, (laughs) and then you're walking the halls, or or then you're going through real hard things that we don't have to list, but just that based on other people's choices, or you're asked to suffer through that I'm what I'm trying to become and what do I want to get out of it? So I could say, forget it. 
it's not worth eating and I'll lose some pounds and that for a while will be great. I will lose some pounds. And so for a while I might even see like, this is great. See, this is better. But after a while I wouldn't be sustained. I would lose energy. And if I were to go to the extreme of not eating, right, you can only go so long without water. You could go a while and lose and lose weight without eating, but you can only go so long without water. And that is where I liken it to needing that living water of Jesus Christ and, and reaching out to him. And if it's on a very basic level for a while, then reach out to Jesus Christ and, and that will sustain you. It is not faking it till you make it. I do. I have experienced that power of being sustained when everything else seemed like it had failed. And then little by little, those other things came back in. And now I can even enjoy the cake. <laughs> I love it. So to speak. Tanya, there's three questions we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall. I'll ask those of you right now. The first one is, do you have a calling right now? And if so, what is it? I do. I'm Relief Society president. Nice. So, if you could if you could pick a calling for yourself, either one that exists or make one up, what would you pick? Maybe gospel doctrine. I love talking about the gospel. But I think I comment too much already in class. Yeah. <laughs> Just leave her. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. We yeah, well, you can call her to be a teacher, and she already talks an awful lot. Let's let's just keep her right where she is. Uh, the last question that we ask everyone, and interpret this however you will, but the question is: is what is your favorite part of your faith? Hmm. I think currently it would be the testimony that I'm a child of God, and so is everyone else. Yeah. As I've grown, I feel that it's a very basic version of the two commandments: to love God and love your fellow man. That me being a child of God affects all that I choose to do, mm-hmm. that not jaywalking kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me being a child of God affects my choices and the ability I have to change and to grow. And everyone else being a child of God helps me to know that I don't have to worry about everything that they're doing, that yeah. they are a child of God, and it's all going to work out. It's not my job to judge them. It's not my job to save them. But because we're family— I most definitely am going to be there for them and maybe help them get to the true source of their hope. Well, we hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body, that if you're not healthy enough to listen to it this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen to it next week, and that when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, we'll be saving a seat for you on the back row of the Cultural Hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat on the back row.